Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy, folks, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. Today, I'm going to do an interview with a very important person, a person who is probably more important to me than anyone that I have interviewed so far. And I mean no offense to the people who I've interviewed so far, but this is a very special person. And I believe that all of us can learn something from this person. I learn from this person every day. So I would like to introduce to you my son, Jackson Monroe Laird. That's me! Okay. Hey, Jackson. Good morning. Hi. If you don't mind, take a minute and tell the folks how old you are, where you live, where you go to school, things you like to do, that kind of thing. I'm nine years old. I live in Americas with my dad. I go to Furlough Charter School, a school that is only open, that's only been open three years. My mom's on the school board, and I like music. I like <laughs> to write it, too. I have a book on orchestration right next to me. Okay. Well, you might have heard of it. It's called The Technique of Orchestration. The Technique of Orchestration, and you, you brought that book with you today to the interview. Um, where did you get that book? Uh, you gave it to me. Right. <laughs> it, I think it's like from the 1950s or something. Well, check the copyright date. You have it right there in your hand. Okay. Um, I think it's 1955 or something. Uh, 1953. And who wrote the book? Uh... Kent Wheeler Tennant, professor of music at the University of Texas. Okay, so I, I see you brought that book with you. You're obviously very interested in music. Can you tell me about some of the instruments that that you really like and that you're trying to learn how to play? Well, I like the French horn, the trumpet, and the flute are the instruments that I'm trying to learn to play. I also like the piano. And you're taking piano lessons now, yes. aren't you? I think today's my lesson. It is today. Mm -hmm. So how are lessons going? Good. Um, what I bring do my stuff well to every single one. <laughs> have you got any pieces that you've really worked up really nice? Um, are you going to have a recital or any kind of a concert or anything? I was going to on Christmas. Well, around Christmas, but um, I had to go to like, I had to go to the college that day don't you remember the the i think it was the university of georgia oh right you had a little music workshop you went to so you couldn't perform mm -hmm. with them uh they'll probably have another one coming up it was soon. fun playing conductor oh you played conductor would you like to tell people about because i didn't think of any 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 instrument to make so i was the conductor <laughs> i made a baton out of three markers that i just stuck together <laughs> Okay. Well, I still have that baton. You do. And this like CD thing that I found out that if you rubbed a stick on it, it would make it sound like. Bleh. <laughs> okay, let's back up a little bit. When you were very small, what is the first music that you remember hearing? Well, I'm not exactly sure. It's hard to remember. I think it might have been Bubba playing some bluegrass. Now wait a bit. The the audience won't know who Bubba is. Could well, you? Bubba is my dad. That would be me. Yes. Okay. That would be you. And how did I get the name Bubba? I don't know. You just made it up. 
Well, you started calling me Bubby. Bubby. And so I started calling you Bubba. Yeah. And it's sort of a thing we have, right? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So when you were very small, I do remember um, playing some banjo for you when you were, I mean, just born. Actually, I did it before you were born. I was born. like, I'm sleeping. And then I hear Earl Scruggs. <laughs> <laughs> sleeping. <sighs> Earl Scruggs. <laughs> that, that's that was sort of your reaction. You you were moved by it. Uh, uh, so anyway, tell us about the first time you remember seeing a music show. Like you were there and you saw a stage and a band and and that kind of thing. What do you remember? Anything? I don't like that? remember. I've been in so many. <laughs> they all run together after a while. That's the way it is Basically. with me. Do Do you remember? Going to any bluegrass festivals? Yes. What uh, What do you remember about it? They all had a stage, and they all had people playing on the stage. Yeah, and, and they and a lot of them served cotton candy. Cotton candy. Yeah, I, I remember one time I was at a bluegrass festival, and I made the cotton candy cart specially make white cotton candy. How do you make white cotton? I've, I don't think I've ever seen white cotton candy. Although you were the one who had the idea. I had the idea. I don't even remember that. What festival was that? I think it was the Brickyard Plantation. Brickyard. Remember, Plantation. they made two white cotton candies, and I bought them. I do remember that. Now I was emceeing at that yeah. festival. And it, wasn't that the festival where I drew the tickets for the raffle? That's the one. I think there was a picture in the paper of of you up on stage drawing, um, drawing out tickets. They had a door prize, and they were giving away a Martin Backpacker guitar. And I remember like a guitar that you use when you're hiking. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really small. It's maybe only six inches wide, and and a little shorter than a normal guitar. So like ukulele. Yeah, but I think it has a longer guitar style neck but they were going to give away mega uke mega uke and my friend curtis jones was there playing with one of the bands and i don't know if you remember this but right before the drawing curtis came out and demoed that martin backpacker and curtis is a magnificent flat picking bluegrass guitarist and many other styles and he grabbed that thing, and it had not been set up, and the action was about a half inch high. And he tore down on that thing like I have never heard anybody play. It was amazing. And I think that really got everybody excited about the drawing. And then you pulled out the ticket, and pre- I, I guess you were there presenting the guitar to the winner, weren't you? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, well I think I was there, but I don't think I presented it. I just remember a picture of you. You were wearing it across your back in the gig bag, and that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I think I remember that. Well, we've also gone to some festivals where we camped. What did you think about camping out? It was fun. That festival was one of them. Yeah, I remember one camping trip. There were like these, these, there are tons of other kids that camped near us, and I, I don't ever remember seeing any of them. We just basically played, and we went down into the old lake that was dried up. 
Yeah. And we tried to collect all the golf balls in pitch dark. <laughs> when <laughs> when the lake was filling up, we ran down and tried to collect every golf ball <laughs> in pitch dark. <laughs> and then we had trouble climbing back up with all those golf balls. <laughs> yeah, that festival was held at a at a an RV park and golf course. That's now a KOA, I think. Yeah, I think it is a KOA now. Well, you've got a lot of good memories already, and you're not that old yet. Tell- I remember every day we used to hike down to the snack bar. And buy that white cotton candy, huh? Yeah. Wait, what- no, no, no. We we bought, like, remember we walked down to the building. Did you ever actually stop and listen to the music at yeah. that time? Oh, you did? Sometimes I did. Yeah. Some pretty good bands there. Uh-huh. Uh, do you plan to go to any festivals in the future? Yeah. I, you know, it's been my belief Next that... Next time there's one that you go camping at. That's my favorite kind. I've always uh, noticed that at bluegrass festivals, you tend to see older people and very few teenagers, and then you see young kids, but very few teenagers. Why do you think teenagers aren't so excited about bluegrass? And I'm not talking about every teenager, because some really like it. But why do you think that is, that in general, when kids get to be about 13, 14, 15... They don't seem all that interested interested in bluegrass. Why do you think that is? Or interested in anything else. It's called I-P-H-O-N-E. What does that mean? Oh, iPhone. That's the problem? And V-I-D-E-O space G-A-M-E-S. Those are the two problems. I th- you know, I think you may be right about that. Well, speaking of electronics and... Technology. I, I've noticed at your school they say bring your technology on Friday, and I guess by technology, okay, I'll bring this wheel. <laughs> this wheel. <laughs> How about this stone chipped arrowhead? It's a Bronze Age technology. I'll bring you this wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so when they say bring your technology, what are they okay, talking about? I'll look at my eye wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Born comedian. I'm telling you. Okay, I'll look at my eye wheel. <laughs> you know, they used to have a wheel on the eye, eye, the very first iPods. I had a little I wheel. They wheel. call it the wheel. I know that wheel. Okay, so the, the main topic that I want to ask you about today is... Is the eye wheel? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I got to thinking about an episode that I did called Practice Versus Playing. There's a big difference between practicing your instrument and playing it or performing it. And I noticed that you were doing similar things with a video game that you have on, you used to have it on a little iPod. Yeah. Now that it won't even pull up on the iPod. Well, yeah. And your button is broken and the screen is cracked and so on. But you eventually got. I remember I once jumped from. The loft of the barn into into I hay jumped with it in my hand and we couldn't find it. Oh, we eventually did. I vaguely remember that when we built a loft out in the barn. Yeah, and then we had this like big pile of hay, and I just Geronimo, or if my name was Geronimo, me. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, I'm sure you can uh, understand what I'm um, enjoying and dealing with on a daily basis here with Jackson. I do remember making the hay jump. It was right after we built the loft, and we. But you never did it. I think. No, I didn't do it. I didn't want to break my neck, but I I didn't mind you breaking your neck. You didn't mind the hay breaking their necks. That 
particular summer, I got it in my head that I would hand cut hay with a scythe and a you rake. You need to keep doing that. Not, we haven't had a hay jump in a couple of years. I know. It's hard to jump on those bales, isn't it? Yeah. Geronimo! Okay, so what you were telling the folks is that you actually did the hay jump from the loft into the pile plus of hay. one of us needed to call 911. <laughs> what you were telling the folks is that you jumped with an iPod in your hand and lost it in the hay. Yeah, but I got it back. And eventually you moved up to an iPad. Yeah, because my iPad was just so cruddy. And now that is a cracked screen. I know. It's inevitable, isn't it? I think they make those screens especially to crack. Like, I was jumping on the bed, and it was on the bed, and I thought it was a book, and I put my knee on it. I know. That's a sick feeling, isn't it? Then I heard the crack. I did a similar thing when I was a child. My parents, when I was about a little younger than you, I was probably in the first grade, we lived in Coshocton, Ohio. My parents had driven from Coshocton to Newark, Ohio, to go to Kmart. And it was dark and it was cold in the middle of winter. Oh, yeah, the thermometer. Yeah, I had a little had thermometer some, in you my had pocket. You a thermometer in your hand. You didn't know what it was. So you squeezed it kind of hard and it broke. That's right. And it was only after it broke, the instant that I broke it in my own pocket. That you realized what it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was the thermometer for my chemistry set. Now, what it was doing in my pocket, I don't know. And why was I don't have a thermometer in my chemistry set? My chemistry set's just a bunch of test tubes. And well, uh, you know, they've changed over the years, and I'm sure that you could get a chemistry set with a thermometer. But I remember that sick, sinking feeling of knowing that I just broke something that was very important to me, but I couldn't identify it in my pocket in the dark. It was very weird. Anyway, so let's get to your iPod, and there's a game that you, when you first started playing it, I didn't know what you were playing, and Mom was looking at it, and well, neither did I really. You didn't really understand it either, and I remember you I bursting know. out in tears and crying one time because yeah. you got stuck in the nether. Yeah. Can you explain to the listeners who maybe haven't played this game, and it's called Minecraft, which I jokingly call Minecraft, and you were playing Minecraft, and there are two modes of playing it. Could you describe that for the people? There, well, actually, right now there are multiple modes of playing, but none available on. There are multiple modes of playing. There's the cre- there's creative mode where you have where you can fly and you have an infinite create and you have an infinite supply of everything. I am the builder. <laughs> Okay, so there's that creative mode. I only remember the two modes, and that's kind of what we'll stick with then right now. Sur- but I'm just going to list the others. Just Okay, real quick. There's, then there's survival mode, where you have to gather your materials and well, what's you know, the, fight uh, what? off monsters and stuff. Hold then on. there's hardcore mode, which is the same as survival, which but it's locked on hard mode, and you only get one life. I see. And you have to delete the world if you die. Well, I didn't know that about that extra mode. Can we stop with just those? Then there's peaceful mode, where it's the same as survival, but there's no monsters. There's just, like, chickens and... Little um, sheep. Those little goofy sheep walking around and ducks and and stuff. Those are chickens and cows and pigs and wolves. Well, for the purposes... 
for the purposes of this interview, I remember in the early days of you playing that, there those only, two major modes, which was only, creative and survival. There were only four mobs, the chicken, the pig, the, the sheep, and the cow. And everyone else had stuff like the creeper, the zombie. Okay, now the listeners may be wondering, why in the world are we talking about Minecraft? Yes. And let me explain to you why I want to talk about it on a bluegrass podcast for people who learned are learning to play bluegrass or who do play bluegrass. I think I get it. You mentioned practice versus playing. So creative mode is sort of like practice, and survival mode is sort of like playing. That's right. That is exactly right. Well, I, actually, I think survival mode has a better thing. To, has a, I think playing has a better relation to hardcore mode. Where if you die, you can't come back. But in survival mode, you can just come back. Yeah, I didn't know about that hardcore, but... I tried hardcore once. I was stuck on the t- on one block in the middle of the ocean. Well, let me, let me describe what I was thinking about, and then you could correct me if I'm wrong yes. or talk a little bit more about yes. it. I thought that in survival mode... Like if you got killed, you just came right back. Yeah, that, that's that's that's. You didn't have to worry about like these creepers and stuff coming out and sneaking up on you and all that stuff. It was a much safer scenario for playing if you were in creative, and that I thought is a but lot you can't like. Die. Even if somebody right. does shoot you with a power three flaming bow with arrows of poison and harming. Right. That's a lot like practicing your like, instrument at home. I am immortal. Nobody's going to throw rotten tomatoes at you and boo you off the stage when you're just practicing at home. So that's sort of like creative mode. It is immortal. <laughs> and then when you went into survival, I remember you 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 fell down a pit or something and you thought you were forever trapped in the netherworld and all this stuff. And I thought that reminds me of when you go out and you're really performing for people, everything you're laying, everything on the line and it's do or die. And you got to play good or else. In that world, I changed myself to survival and I hopped into a pit of lava and killed myself. But at that, and then I respawned back where I was. But at that time, I remember you actually crying thinking that you were dead forever. I mean, I had a big castle in the overworld, as it's called. Well, now that I know there's these additional modes like hardcore, I might even stretch this analogy further and say it's sort of like... There's also adventure where you can't break blocks. It's the same thing. Hold that thought. I can't process all this, son. (laughs) Let me finish my statement. So I think... Now, I'll expand my analogy and say creative mode is a lot like practicing at home, no pressure. Survival mode is maybe like going to a festival and getting in a jam session. Playing for your friends. Yes, playing for your friends. And hardcore is like getting up on stage with a band. And And maybe you were hired to play, Uh and you might get fired if you don't do well. Uh Yeah. I think it's interesting. Now, when you started... You weren't really that good at it. And yeah. today it blows remember, my mind. I remember, like, I built my first house three months after I started. Well, <laughs> tell me about, just very quickly, um, the first thing, some of the things you're able to do now. The first thing that I did was I dug a hole. Then the next thing that I did was I put a chicken in the hole. Then I put some sand in the hole. But I remember it wasn't that long, maybe a year later. You built 
a model in well, Minecraft of the Biltmore uh, estate. It took me two years to build that. It's not done yet, still. That's pretty elaborate. Well, that's when the flat world came out and you could build anything on it. I ha remember the old, old world. The old world was this world that was just like so many mountains and stuff and there was an, a, an edge, but flat world, just everything just flat. Okay, so here's my basic question. I built the belt on the flat world. Here's my basic question for you, Jackson. Just in case you don't know, the Biltmore State's the largest house in the U.S., 250 rooms, and a portico share, and a large garden, and a fountain, and an estate all around it. So it's a pretty big project, is what you're yes. saying. Okay, we so built the house. listen to my question, and this is the question I want you to answer for the people. You started out not really knowing much about how to do things in the Minecraft world. Yeah, like we like I dug a hole and I put the chicken in the hole. Exactly. But today you're doing like redstone things, you're building automatic this and all these crazy complicated things. How did you get from the point of not knowing very much to really being Pretty expert. What are some of the things? How did you learn? Well, How did you become better a, at this? I practiced. B, I read Minecraft books. C, I watched Minecraft videos. And D, I read the Minecraft wiki. What is the Minecraft wiki? Uh, well, it's the official Minecraft Wikipedia. What what sort of things would, would a person maybe learn from that? On the tutorials page? I, I don't know anything about the site, so you'll just have to tell me. Well... How to build different kinds of houses. How to colonize, as it's known. So you would have your main base, and let's say you have your main base in a desert, and you need wood. So you might go and make a colony, which is basically another base, out in the woods. So this process that took place, you were accessing a bunch of different other people who had written down things or made videos that helped you figure it all out. Mm -hmm. How much of it did you figure out just on your own, just by fooling around? The concrete mixer that I created. Well, surely more than just that. Well, that was one of the things. How do you think this compares to learning to play an instrument? You've been working on the flute and the fife and the trumpet and the French horn. Do you see any similarities with that? Like when you're trying to learn to play the French horn, are there similar things that you've been doing? Yes. Uh, tell us about those. What do you mean? Well, like the learning materials that you're using. Yeah, sort of. You start out You start out with the first note, which is basically digging the hole. And then there's a, you put the chicken in the hole. And then there's a, you put the sand in the hole. Now, did you use any books or videos, or what are you? Where are you getting your information? I saw you one time watching YouTube videos. I think it was by the U.S. Army Band. Field band. Field band. Uh, and so, tell us some of the things you've been watching and studying to learn. I'm not sure I can answer that. It's a lot of different that is, things. That, that is top secret and confidential. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, just for the if record. I told you, I might have to kill you. Please don't do that. Well, just for the record, my instructional materials are not top secret and confidential. Anybody can go to BradleyLaird.com and 
and Mine are. If I told get you what my stuff. Are. If I told you what they are, I would have to kill you. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> That's just a joke. I use the standard of excellence, French horn book, and essential elements, and basically anything else I can get my hands on. I got you. I, I did the same thing when I was trying to learn how to play the banjo and the mandolin and the guitar. Uh, anything I could get my hands on helped. Ooh, look, this this paper. Now, let me ask you another question. We're going to kind of change the subject a little bit here. Um, you, not too long ago, back before Christmas, probably in about September, October, helped me produce a little product, one of the products that is on the website. And it was called the Christmas Songs for Mandolin ebook. And it was very interesting. Well, first of all, tell the folks about that little project. Well, first, okay. But can, and then can I tell them how I, how we got the idea? Yeah, the floor is yours. So, well, me and Mom, this, we, it first starts back a long time ago. Me and Mom were driving through Columbus, a town not very far from here. And we went to the library there. We got a library card, and we looked through the library. There was this huge library with, like, a dome and lots and lots of rooms and elevators. And, well, you can get the picture. It's sort of like this big box with this big sort of small cylinder at the top. Except the cylinder's big and round. Sort of like a cake with a square underneath it. Now, what does this have to do with the Madeline uh, Songs book? Uh, uh, uh. And so, that around that time period that Dad was talking about, we went there, and they were selling some books. One of those books was Christmas Songs for Guitar. So, oh. me and Mom bought that book, along with a book in German that I can't read. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. I understood a few words. It was a book of Christmas songs in German. So we bought that book and we came home and I showed it to Bubba, thinking that he might be able to play some of them. Well, that then he got an idea of tr transcribe of me transcribing all the songs into Sibelius 6, which is the program that we used to make it, and selling them as an e-book. Specifically for mandolin players. Yes, but for any other player, like... I'll buy a mandolin songs book for an oboe. <laughs> right. Yeah, you could play them on any instrument. So, when we decided to go ahead and do this project, Christmas was coming up, and I told you that if you did the work of entering all the notation and setting all that up and I helping me with it, for you. That you would get half the money, but I warned you that as soon as Christmas was over, sales would probably plummet. I still have four dollars due this month. Yeah, you did sell one just recently, and here we are. Pay up in spring, and somebody bought the book, and I was very surprised. But I thought, you know what? What better time to learn Christmas songs for mandolin than right now, this time of year? So. Let me just stop and make a little commercial message for Jackson. Jackson gets half the money whenever we sell a Christmas songs for mandolin book. And if you want to learn them and you're a beginner or a, an intermediate, you, you might want to pick them up right now. So you have plenty of time to practice before Christmas. Now, Jackson, 
You have a book there called Techniques of Orchestration. Do you want to tell anybody about what you've learned from that book? Basically everything. I'll flip up into a random page and show something about it. I'll read a random sentence from a random page in the book. Probably the most frequent and obvious use of the timpani is that of backing up the rest in the orchestra of rhythmic figures. At other times, they may play a separate rhythm of their own. They are also excellent for reinforcing crescendos and playing and providing excitement or support in climaxes by means of rolls. Now, Jackson, that book is a good example of one of the means of learning things is to access written and printed books and you have thousands it seems like thousands of books because everywhere i turn in this house it seems to be books 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 can you tell some of the folks some of your favorite books recently that also is top secret and confidential okay but the one thing that is not top secret and confidential is that i have a stuffed whale that plays the viola and sings soprano here he is (laughs) (laughs) okay let me ask you this And you may be able to help other people who are in the same boat that I'm in. Over the years, I have encouraged you to play some bluegrass instruments. Have I or have I not? You've tried. I've tried, and I haven't had much luck, have I? No. Could you explain to me and to the listeners how we might make bluegrass more attractive to young people? How do we get get young people more interested? Get them off their I-P-H-O-N-E-S and away from their V-I-D-E-O space G-A-M-E-S and play more with their stuffed W-H-A-L-E-S. Okay, those are all good ideas, but I'm going to tell you honestly, most people, unless you're talking about your own children – like, I can't do anything about the kids down the street, what they do. it's I have no control over them. How could we make bluegrass more? First of all, most kids probably never even heard of bluegrass. Most kids have probably never heard anything except video game music. Right. Well, how could we fix that? How could we, um, you know, let more kids know about it? Maybe if they knew about it, they might become interested. Okay. Give me seven days and a hacking license. A hacking license. What are you going to hack? I'm going to hack into every video game in the world and make it play Earl Scruggs, Earl Scruggs, and then it will become a mind control device. They will love Earl Scruggs. <laughs> that sounds like my master plan. <laughs> it didn't work, though. I also tried it with Bill Monroe. I already said seven days in a hacking permit. Okay, my last question for you today, Jackson. Yes. And then we also is, sing the soprano. Do you think in the future that you will ever play one of the bluegrass instruments, say banjo, mandolin, guitar? And I'm not putting any pressure on you. I don't honestly really care if you do or don't. But do you, do you think you might? Probably. And of all the bluegrass instruments, which one is your favorite at this point? I'm not sure. That also is top secret and confidential. <laughs> Kids, but Jackson, thank you for doing this interview. I, it has been enlightening, and I, I'm sure that the audience is going to have a much better understanding of how um, wacky my life can be at times and how fun it can be at times, too. Wait, bub. It's not over till the cute whale sings. Ah! <laughs>
Jackson, would you like to say goodbye to all the listeners? And is there any sort of musical advice you'd like to give them? One thing. That is top secret and confidential. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. <laughs> Folks, I hope you enjoyed this interview with my son. And I hope you'll understand why I'm uh, partially insane and why my life, I truly never know what is going to happen next. He is an amazing little character, and I can't wait to see what things he does in the future. Folks, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you in the next podcast. Baba, what would happen if I filled this balloon with potassium?